After thinking about doing something with my backyard, something which might improve the appearance and make my life easier as I get older, and, after discovering the two poor baby birds which had fallen from one of the trees back in 2019, I've been thinking about creating an Eden for the birds and a place for me to sit and watch them. It's been a vague idea of mine for the last 15 years, a plan percolating just behind my third eye, with the assumption such a creation would be a peaceful haven for me and my little dog. Years ago, after a decade of hot summer mornings pulling the old lawn mower cord, five or six times, only to discover the gas tank was empty or the oil nearly spent, then having to waste time changing clothes, searching for my purse and running to the gas station, I dreaded mowing the lawn and would put off mowing the lawn until my backyard resembled a meadow. I would only mow the damned yard when I couldn't see Abby for the knee-high grass and dandelions. Not only was the whole process of mowing the grass in the early morning hours or later in the day an inconvenience, but also the additional annoyance of discovering the irrigation water was full of future weeds. It became a vicious cycle of using inexpensive irrigation water while also paying to have the weeds killed later. I put up with the endless cycle of cheap irrigation water and expensive weed control for 27 years. Now, with my ambitious plan to eliminate grass from my backyard and create an oasis for the birds, I've only had to use my weed eater twice since spring. Unfortunately, I got a bit carried away with the weed eater and whacked too much off the top. I didn't know it at the time, but I'd effectively killed off much of the grass which was exacerbated further by a monstrous heat dome which struck the Pacific Northwest this summer. What a nightmare and a tragedy for everyone out here in the Pacific Northwest. That harbinger of future hellish summers made me more determined than ever to create a Xeriscape backyard like the one I have in the front. Image by K. McPhear LLC Then I noticed the squirrels were digging holes in my poor pathetic excuse for a lawn and I decided to take the empty boxes which had contained the shiny metal hexagon raised beds and throw them down to smother the weeds and hide the holes. Eventually I learned I could use those cardboard boxes as a weed and grass barrier and add mulch on top and eventually they would decompose. Well, guess what? Those boxes from four shiny metal hexagon raised beds have multiplied to other boxes from purchases I've since made for the backyard. By the by, I call my hummingbird half where the raised beds are my tetradecagon. Since I placed the metal raised beds tightly together, the whole contraption has a total of 24 sides, creating a tetradecagon and I plan to surround the outside of the tetradecagon with gravel and patio stones so that I don't step on any of the plants nearby. Image by K. McPhear LLC my tetradecagon problems are another indication of how this project is just another one of many Homo s. sapiens plans which germinate into monstrous hubris leading to additional unforeseen nightmares. Now, since my tetradecagon has attracted a criminal element, I've had to resort to soaking cotton balls in apple cider vinegar to keep the squirrels from digging in my raised beds. It only works for a short time though. I suspect that they were to blame for what happened to some of the Crocosmia lucifer bulbs. I just know the damned squirrels have been digging them up and munching on them. One unexpected unforeseen benefit from my past makes me feel a little bit less stupid about some of my landscaping decisions over the years. Decades ago, I planted a bunch of lilacs around my property, especially along the alley fence as a way of providing myself with more privacy. I've since discovered the lilacs also are an excellent place for the birds to hide or wait their turn at the feeders. And the fact that I planted a privet hedge between me and my neighbor and kept the holly shrubs have also been a lifesaver for the birds. One day, when a cooper's hawk swooped down like a feathered rocket to collect a morning dove meal, all the birds vanished. 
I was so focused on the hawk I didn't realize till the next time that they were hiding in the privet hedge. Image by K. McPhear LLC I've discovered that the baby birds are being taught to hide in the hedges by their parents. I thought at first there must be a few hawks circling above my property, when without warning all the birds disappeared. I checked outside and didn't see any hawks. The next time I was at the window admiring the birds, without any sign of a predator, all the birds in unison disappeared. Because I was watching closely this time, I saw the last few birds disappear among the foliage near the birdbath. I believe my backyard is not only a buffet for the birds but a survival training school for the babies. My Eden began with one bird feeder station and two Amish-style bird feeders. Soon, I purchased another bird feeder station. Then I started thinking about, not just the chickadees, but the hummingbirds. I'm disappointed that when I set up the birdhouses on the fence hoping to attract bluebirds and got myself a family of chickadees, they didn't return this year. The chickadees still stop by occasionally and I see them drinking water from the ant moats on the hummingbird feeders, but they don't stay long. Most of the time, they snatch a bit of black oil sunflower seed and fly off to eat in peace. As my plan to create a haven for the birds expanded, I decided to create, on one side of my backyard, a raised bed buffet of all the hummingbirds' favorite flowers and on the other side, an endless buffet for the larger birds in the neighborhood. What I didn't count on were the gate crashers, the squirrels. My first bird feeder station, I soon discovered, was easy pickings for the squirrels. They had no trouble climbing the pole and clinging to the feeders to snatch a few seeds. Image by K. McPhear LLC So, I bought baffles for the bird feeder stations and those baffles were enough to deter them, especially when I added water heater pans below the feeders to catch the fallen seeds. Now, the squirrels have their own buffet of black oil sunflower seeds, as do the morning doves who discovered soon enough, they were too big to land on my small bird feeder perches. Even some of the other birds who aren't as aggressive as their neighbors prefer to search for fallen seeds in the pans or on the ground nearby. When my grass disappeared and weeds sprouted wherever the seeds fell, I decided to cover the spots below the bird feeders with mulch and bury the spent seeds. The squirrels love to dig through the mulch to find the seeds, as do the finches and sparrows. One problem was solved when another took its place when I had to move my DIY orange birdbath. Unfortunately, as the summer hit, the location of the birdbath near my back door meant my dog and I were too uncomfortably close to swarms of worker bees intent on carrying water back to their hives. The blistering heat from the heat dome covering the Pacific Northwest was making all living creatures in our area desperate for water. Since every time I stepped out my back door, I had to run the gauntlet of bees swarming about the birdbath fetching water for the hive, I knew the location wasn't safe for me or my dog. I moved the birdbath near the holly hedges which turned out to be the best decision I'd ever made so far. I've noticed how the birds feel safer near the hedges and can enjoy the birdbath without fearing attack from the sky. Then the third problem quickly arose, and I began to wonder if my plans for a backyard bird Eden would continue to present problems. With a childish trust in modern inventions, I bought five pinch-waist glass hummingbird feeders. Well, the first pinch-waist hummingbird feeder I bought was small and from my local grocery store. That one leaked terribly and I finally figured out the red plastic seal where the flowers are placed was cracked. The leaky feeder had attracted ants to my back patio. Image by K. McPhear LLC I had to remove the feeder from its perch under my back patio porch roof, where I placed it to protect the feeder and the hummingbirds from the big bad hawks. Eventually, the old hummingbird feeder turned out to be of some use when I replaced a broken bee guard on a bigger pinch-waist hummingbird feeder. 
I really should have done more research on the best hummingbird feeders before buying the pretty ones first. Image by K. McPhear LLC I'd done my research on the mason jar hummingbird feeders which the manufacturer claimed didn't leak. No. They don't leak, but they also are tragically easy for ants to travel down the metal handles and enter the red flowers only to drown in the nectar. I've since bought red ant moats for the mason jars. I refuse to give up, each tragedy makes me determined to find a better solution. Then I discovered the red ant moats when full to the brim with water were attracting the worker bees and when I found 16 worker bees drowned in one ant moat I was sickened by the sight and devastated that I had inadvertently caused their untimely deaths. I thought I was saving lives, not murdering these poor hard-working creatures who only survive a few months at the most. I've since added little rocks to the red ant moats which is as I write continuing to protect the worker bees from drowning and deters the ants from traveling down to the feeders. I've also had to add a few rocks to the bird feeder water dishes because the bees have been drowning in them as well. I know I can't rescue all the creatures on our planet, but I don't feel good when I find a worker bee or a poor creature dead because I had too much faith in modern inventions and trusted the claims made by these companies. Now, I've become more suspicious of these products, especially the ones that make outrageous claims about their product safety and efficacy. Cooper's Hawk Taking Flight, Video by K. McPhear LLC since March of this year, I've been working on my romantic monstrosity as my ambition and hubris keeps getting in the way of my usual caution and sometime common sense. Yet I'm determined to continue, to find a way to feed the birds and keep them safe. When I admitted to a staff member where I work, a young man knowledgeable about birds, who raised a cooper's hawk and knows a great deal about birds, that I felt guilty at the number of times I've seen hawks swoop down into my yard and try to fly away with one of my guests, he told me that the hawks are also a necessary part of the ecosystem. He assured me that I've created such an effective environment for the wild birds that they feel safe enough to visit often and have plenty of places to hide. He also told me that the hawks are a necessary part of life, that they weed out the slower and weaker birds. When I think about my obsession to create a safe place for the birds and eco-friendly environment for myself and others, I can't help but wonder if I've created a monster instead. Mary Shelley's book Frankenstein was her way of warning us that our obsessions can be our downfall, that our goal-setting and constant need to improve life may just lead instead to disaster. After thinking about Mary Shelley's wisdom, her belief that progress can be a curse while I obsess over unmet goals and my newest project as life continues to send out warnings to slow down, makes me wonder if my six months' worth of work has only made things worse, not better. Should I have never bought the bird feeders or the black oil sunflower seeds or tetradecagon? Maybe, I should have left my backyard alone allowing the plants to take over? Should I have been lazy and let my backyard turn into a meadow where the critters would have to fend for themselves instead of being dependent on me? Or are they really dependent? I don't know. I don't think so. I don't want to believe that I'm the monster that made them dependent for food. I prefer to believe that I'm doing my part to help another generation of birds survive what we— Homo s. sapiens, have created with our unrelenting hubris and goal-setting and drive to improve our lives. Are we better off now than a century ago, since we all tend to drive a few miles to the grocery store to pick up food instead of walking, food that is packaged and stamped and less nutritious than former generations? Like the blind man who offered Dr. Frankenstein's monster a meal and a safe place to sleep, I'm both the blind man offering the critters in my neighborhood food and safety and Dr. Frankenstein buying all the latest gadgets to improve my backyard. All the products I've bought will eventually end up in a dumpster where further devastation will lead to more garbage and poor air and heat domes. 
Am I doing all this, not just to feel good about myself, but to impress others and feel godlike? Am I really doing the birds and the bees and the planet any favors? 16 bees are dead because of a stupid product I purchased without thinking about the consequences. Should I just have done nothing? I don't know how to feel anymore. I've been so obsessed about finishing this project before winter, I haven't thought of the ramifications leading to the final product. Am I just making busy work? Do I really hate mowing the lawn so much I would spend all this time and energy and money to transform my backyard? Why can't Homo S. sapiens just sit and do nothing? Why are we so driven to improve the world around us? In his book A Short History of Progress, Ronald Wright was right, no pun intended. Throughout history civilizations have risen in the name of progress. Percy Shelley believed progress was good, his wife Mary Shelley believed the opposite, that progress would turn on us and destroy us. Then I got up from my chair and looked out my window and saw several birds bathing in my DIY bird baths with a solar-powered water fountain wetting their wings. I got such a kick out of their enjoyment I can't help but wonder if maybe I'm being too hard on myself, maybe I'm doing some good. See what I mean, smiley face. Image by K. McVeer LLC. Happy birthday, Mary Shelley.